everyone, and welcome to A Gem of a Secret Podcast. My name is Donatella, my secrets. My name is Full Glass of Wine. I mean, Coco Gem Holiday. Pina Grigio, girls. <laughs> How are you doing tonight, Coco? Um, well, actually, as the day we're recording this, um, I actually just won the title of Miss Sweetheart 33. Yay! Let's yes. give it up for your newest Miss Sweetheart. Uh, if you're not from the PNW or the Portland area, uh, Coco basically won this title by raising money for the community and running, uh, basically raising money for a specific charity. What was your charity? Uh, we were raising money for Beyond These Walls, yeah. which is a LGBTQ plus organization that is dedicated to helping queer folks in prison. Yeah, and and you raised over three thousand dollars, right? Um, close to three thousand. Close yeah. to three thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, and uh, and you have to raise money in literally about three and a half weeks. Yeah, that's not and a lot of time, and yeah. during a pandemic, that's rough. Yeah, I. Um, Cheers to that. Let's do a little clinky. Clink. Oh. Yes, and um, I on top of the fact that we had that four day snowstorm, which Ooh. was so nice. Oh yeah, let's do our beginning spiel about that. The snowstorm that hit us was actually kind of a nice break for me to really like reevaluate again and mm-hmm. like know and like think about what's important. Like I used that snowstorm to do the stuff that people did at the beginning half of COVID. I didn't do anything during it. I was like already depressed like before it hit and then the snowstorm was just like more reason for me to stay in my room and like, you know, be a hermit. I know that we played a lot of Pokemon during that. We did. No, like, we did Pokemon play, Go. Which is weird. We played a lot of Pokemon Go, a game that you have to be out walking to like get points during <laughs> and we were like remote raiding during the snowstorm, catching mm-hmm. these legendary birds. We love Pokemon Go. Honestly, anytime mm-hmm. we even go on these like outdoor adventures, we're playing Pokemon Go. We oh, talked yeah. about that before. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's just one of those things of where, like, I really, I, I made a dress um, for my step up. And mm-hmm. uh, I didn't do that during the snowstorm necessarily, but I have wanted to get back into being more creative. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why it took me so long opposed to other people being able to do it right away. But yeah, that's, that's what happened. So, speaking yeah. of a new outfit I made, Donna, what are you wearing this evening? You know what? I am just wearing a fully latex floral number because spring is coming soon. And uh, (laughs) I wanted to simultaneously stay true to my aesthetic by not being able to breathe, uh, any poor being able to breathe, um, and then also celebrate this beautiful new season that we're coming into here in March. It's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, thank you. What about yourself? Uh, I'm wearing a bathrobe and um, pink Crocs. Oh, Um, and my kind of springy, kind of springy, and like a mother that's about to do some spring cleaning. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, that's like yeah. I just couldn't find the furry slippers and the vacuum cleaner to really match the aesthetic. And I would carry a vacuum cleaner with me through the entire day of wearing this look. I dig it. I Um, love it. And I just have a beautiful smoky eye, but my lips are smudged. Mm, mm, I dig it. It's a a snogged lip. A good old snogged snogged lip. Gosh. Yes. <laughs> uh, so today's episode, we actually wanted to go back into our drag roots a little bit. We're going to be talking about Drag Race. Yeah, there wasn't a Drag Race bonus episode this week because, of course, RuPaul decided to do this thing where she wants to talk about what it's like to do drag during COVID, even though we've been living it, and we know what it's like to do drag oh, during COVID. Oh my gosh. So yeah, you don't, co- <laughs> you don't go to the viewing party. That was the joke we used that everybody laughed at every single time. And we're like, all right, give it up for RuPaul bullshit you know like or, um, and then like another commercial like all right let's give it up for the thing we don't know about which is apparently covid yeah like, <laughs> apparently none of us have known what it's like to be queens during covid 
at all. Even though so half funny. this fan base is other queens who have not been able to work because of COVID. And all they're doing is watching this thing during yeah. COVID. And I know it's funny because like we did, like everybody were like, like give it up for RuPaul's masterpiece on something that none of us know about, which is COVID. Like it was funny. Yeah. It just kept going and it was it was a really I didn't watch the whole thing and um, I didn't watch any of it. <laughs> I was getting really frustrated um during pieces of it because they uh so they they obviously they made the workroom bigger because obviously it's a set. They mm-hmm. made the workroom bigger. I, I did see that. To give them mm-hmm. 6 feet social distancing, which is in my opinion a little bit stupid. It only only in the aspect that there is only 13 girls or whatever, yeah. you know, and Everybody has figured out that RuPaul calls them over to a table to do their little one-on-ones there, with her. I, I did see that. So, um, but they weren't doing that before anyway. Mm-hmm. So there, it didn't make any sense to make the room bigger. Yeah. And I remember one in, I think it was Denali or Rose who talked about when they first walked in, they had to walk so far to like do the next scene. Because she was, was like, just... I had to make rounds around the workroom. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I that's kind of what we're talking about right now is I feel like season 13 is the season that never ends. I texted our group about that season 13 of oh, drag. Nobody race. Nobody ever goes home. Is either. the season that never ends where we, okay. So drag race UK is almost fucking finished. Like, right They're at the top five right now in their season. <laughs> and the, like drag race US still has like half the girls left. <laughs> you know, I know. And it's so stupid. Like I, uh, so, okay, um, so we're talking about um, the di- dichotomy between Drag Race UK and Drag Race. But, like, yeah. the thing is... Drag Race US. Mm-hmm. Drag Race US. And, and it's true. Like, nobody went home a lot, mm-hmm. which, which okay, remember, oh, we talked about this. On one of the Venice episodes, we said it was actually nice because that means the first eliminated people got more screen time. Yeah. Which is a beautiful thing when the world is open because that means they can get bookings and they can be successful. Did we need three episodes with no elimination, though? <laughs> no. Did we because, need that? Because the also, because also, which I think Donna probably doesn't realize this, the episodes are actually longer. Mm-hmm. The episodes are roughly an hour and 20 minutes. Seriously, listeners, the episodes are an hour and 20 episode, minutes. Not the Untucked? Not Untucked. Oh, damn. With Untucked, it's two hours. <laughs> so, well. It's a long, <sighs> long piece of drag. It's a lot of drag. I, I think a lot of Drag Race fans, honestly, over the years have gotten burnt out recently because of how much Drag Race we're getting thrown at us. We get, right after a, a regular season finishes, we get an all-star season. And then, mm-hmm. especially right now, this was, the most overload was having, like, first of all, First of all, uh, the regular series of Drag Race aired before UK, and UK is almost done with their season, <laughs> and they've been airing simultaneously. So That's I'm a good like, point. "That's a really good point." I'm like, you know what? Season thirteen is the season that never ends, and I'm loving UK a lot more than I'm loving season thirteen. Even though I feel like I I really enjoy a lot of the queens that are on season thirteen. Yes, I just feel like. UK has that old charm that a lot of the earlier seasons of Drag Race had. Yes. And before before we get into why, mm-hmm. let's let's save that for just a little bit. Yeah. We also have to remember, which I kind of want to talk about this. Drag Race UK wasn't made for the US. No. We like it more, which we'll talk about later. Mm. But it wasn't made for us. Well, that's the interesting thing too with the other Okay, so I've watched pretty much every single franchise mm-hmm. of Drag Race. Aside from the Switch, uh, because they don't have subtitles for it, right. and it's the it's the South American version of Drag Race, and they do have it on WoW Presents Plus, but they it's the only franchise that they don't have subtitles for, mm. and I've noticed that 
each franchise, it varies a, a lot how the competition goes. For instance, mm-hmm. Drag Race Thailand, most of the competition is based off the runway. The maxi mm-hmm. challenge and the mini challenge don't matter as much. And they base sure. most of their judging off of what is presented okay. on the runway. And they also have to make most of their outfits. Oh, interesting. Which I think is, it's unique and it's different. Uh, each franchise kind of does things differently. I've been recently getting into Holland, which I didn't get into when it started. But I've, I've kind of noticed the differences that that franchise has as well. So every international season is made specifically for an audience that is different from a U.S. audience. So yes. it's going to differ and there's going to be different. Well, and here's the thing, though, that was making it more interesting. Mm-hmm. True fans of Drag Race are actually this is because then I'll actually I'll even say this other part. The people say you're not a drag fan, you're a drag race fan. And this is kind of where this plays in because a lot of people who do drag are drag fans and drag race fans. Mm-hmm. And so not everybody, but some. And so when you're a drag race fan, you do tend to watch all the other drag races. Like yeah. I actually really enjoyed Canada's drag race. I did too. A lot. I loved Canada's um, drag race. And and here's the thing though, once again, that wasn't made for us. We're like they the reason these seasons continue is because people in that country likes it and they want to watch it and they're getting the numbers and yeah. that's why it stays. And yes, the US can help with that, but like with streams and with stuff streams and, and stuff. All but the they're different not, platforms, yeah. Yeah, but they're not gonna be like I'm not making specifically that's why they remake series like The Office. Mm-hmm. You know, like those things come over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, even like Queer's folk. Like yeah. those things are remade over here so we can have our market, our buyers, our acts like all that stuff. And so yeah. what's really interesting is that even though we haven't told you our reasons why yet, these other seasons are turning out to be a little bit more um, light and fun and interesting and why we liked Drag Race in the first place because they have that same thing that Donna just mentioned about the like charm season that like season four. two, three, and four. Yeah, all those two, early... three, and four. I see the thing <laughs> is, I loved yeah two, three, and four of Drag Race. I think are like uh, and and five. Five is pretty good. All, honestly, all the way up until season seven, and and we'll get into the. I I think season seven was a clear turning point for the Drag Race US franchise on how the show was produced. Yeah. I think season seven was the most produced season out of right. any other season of Drag Race. And that's a re- a, the reason why a lot of the time that season seven gets a bad rep. Um, because they were really looking to make sure that young fashion queens were at the forefront that season. Yes. And it was hyper-produced. And I, so I remember there was somebody who was on a recent season of All Stars. I think it was India Fair. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But somebody who just couldn't live up to the expectations of what Drag Race became versus their season. Oh, and I yeah. think it was India Farah because like, like they were bringing out everything, but they just weren't good enough. But when I've seen them perform in person, it's been amazing. And it's like this flawless presentation, but mm-hmm. like Drag Race is so overproduced for what they're wanting from these girls that it just, it becomes so fake um, in a really uncomfortable way. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like, so another example is, when I was watching Canada's Drag Race, and they have um oh my god what is her oh Brooklyn Heights mm-hmm. um was the main like host of that kind of to yeah, a degree the main drag uh, judge the main drag judge of yeah. that and whatever and they were doing the same stupid challenges and stupid games and all blah 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 but it was also like it felt like it was like on the same level like even when Michelle Visage was on Canada's Drag Race she said like. Like, I was so excited to see her out of her element. And you could mm-hmm. tell she was having a good time. And that's what um, that's what I can see as somebody. It's not the it's not the same rigmarole. It's not mm-hmm. like I wake up, I go to work, and I go home. And you that's, know, yeah. You know what Canada's Drag Race felt like to me? It, 
drawing parallels, it did feel a lot like season two of regular Drag Race to me mm -hmm. because there was a lot of the time where we would have queens that were kind of like walking down the runway on mm -hmm. on stuff that might not have been like to the high expectations that we have for mm -hmm. a Drag Race, but it was still good. Mm -hmm. You know, it was still like, it was very unique to the queen's aesthetic and it wasn't, it may not have been the like most polished every single time we saw a queen walk down the runway in an outfit, but it was like, it was real. It was realistic drag. It wasn't these queens now, which... I really want to get into more after we come back from the break. It feels like now Drag Race US is, oh, damn, I'm on Drag Race. Let me reach out to all the designers I can get. And it's all the same designers that these queens reach out to. And yes. then they bring on these outfits. And we're seeing the same kind of interpretations on the runway that may not have been designed by the queen themselves. Mm -hmm. It's designed by someone else. And they're bringing it into this challenge. And it's like, it, it lacks creativity. And it's kind of offensive to the art form a little Actually, bit. Actually, in here... Actually, I just, while you were talking about that, I have an epiphany. And I think mm -hmm. Evie Oddly was one of the people who said, can we just stop using the same three designers? It was Evie. Yeah. yeah. So this is what I could say to that. If Drag Race would start putting people on the show who weren't from California, Chicago, and, and New, New York, York, like, guess what? I bet you'll get a better season of Drag Race. There's more than three major cities with drag in the U.S. <laughs> yes, seriously. And you'd find that there's a lot of really fun, eclectic drag when you go into some of these other cities like Portland, like Seattle, yeah. like, you know, and we've had winners from Seattle like Jinx Monsoon and, of course, Ben De La Creme, who did amazing on All Stars and her season as well. But there are other cities in the U.S. Like, Portland has a wealth of, like, really great eclectic like weird queens that mm -hmm. can present something really cool like artistic amazing queens and um, there's yet to be a queen from portland specifically on the season well, and, or that claims portland yes and here's the thing too i actually don't want to see another girl from new mexico either like yeah. there's a lot of those who make it on the season for some reason on yeah. the show too for some reason i want to see Evie was the first colorado queen since nina flowers yeah and that was years first season. apart first season years apart yeah and I think that there's a problem with that. Mm -hmm. When you have all the same girls from the same city, like, I have to tell you right now, here and now, like, they have all the tools to get on the show. They mm -hmm. know the person to go to to make their video. They know the people to go to to get their outfits. They know what they need to do for their snatch game and somebody to produce it and direct it for them and, like, all this other stuff. And so Drag Race is becoming produced by those three major cities. Yeah. When the producers just have to choose. Seriously, what should happen? I'm sorry to say this. What This is what the producers should do. Um, hi, I'm, you know, Betsy Blue or whatever, and I am from uh, New York City. They should immediately stop the tape and just look for someone else. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Diversify. Just, like, <laughs> diversify the regions that you get your queens from. I honestly, like, I want to see messy edges with my drag. I, I don't want to see the most polished drag when it comes to Drag Race, and I don't want to see queens who have spent all their money paying off these designers to make them an outfit that looks like things that we've seen on past seasons or, like, other things that other queens have, have brought. I want to see the mind of these queens presented on that fucking runway. Yes. And I think there was, because remember, remember there was a season recently, there was a black drag queen who was making almost everything for every runway challenge. It Ooh. wasn't Monet Exchange. It was Monique. Monique. Monique Hart. Monique, Monique Hart. Hart on her original season. And she was one of the people that I was like, okay, see, that's the kind of messiness that yeah. I want to see. I want to see, I want to see a queen like that. I want to yeah. see a queen who's not as blended. Yeah. Um, but before we continue, um, Donna, I forgot to ask, how are you doing this evening? Oh, Coco, I will let you know after this brief commercial. 
Do you wear t-shirts? Do you wear a face mask? I sure as hell hope so. Do you put on your silly little t-shirt and your silly little face mask and wish you had something a little more out there? Yes. Even something, dare I say, matching? Girl, yes, duh. Then it looks like HunterDrips.com is exactly what you need. At HunterDrips.com, socially relevant merch and apparel is up for sale. That's never for profit. 50 to 100% of every purchase is donated. I hear they carry matching shirts and masks with designs that say cute little slogans like defund the police, Black Lives Matter, and it goes over your nose. And even shirts and hats with your own pronouns on them. You know, things that are important. Oh, so you mean important. And almost all of it is donated? Yes, donated. And guess what? What? It's size inclusive too? Yes, up to 5XL. Why just make clothes for skinny people? It's all made by Queer Artist Girl. The creator of HunterDrips.com is trans, fat, lesbian, and the site also includes merch from other queer artists, including gay Portland rapper Tono. Listeners, head on over to HunterDrips.com and use the code SECRET for 15% off your purchase today. That's SECRET for 15% off your purchase at HunterDrips.com. It's a podcast with Coco and Donatella podcast. Tune into what they tell you podcast with Coco and Donatella podcast. You know what, Coco? I am feeling fired up because we're talking about the devaluation of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. And I I, I feel like that's, that may offend some people, you know, saying that the value of the franchise has gone down over the years. But honestly, I feel like it kind of shows based off of how the seasons have gone. It seems like they're just pumping out quantity more so than quality when it comes to the franchise, especially here in the U.S. Yes. We're on now on what season of All-Stars? Six? It'll be six? It'll be six. So. And also, well, here's the thing, though. I actually like the All-Stars. I like everything about Drag Race except regular Drag Race. Regular Drag Race. I like the All-Stars better because, because it's, it's a chance funnier. to see it's a chance to see the queens that we kind of loved or or want to see more from from pre- previous seasons. Yes. And granted they've gotten now to where like the the pool that they get to pull from for All-Stars is becoming fewer and fewer because less girls want to come back or they get yes. they cut ties with Rue. Mm-hmm. You know, Willem will never be on an All-Star season even though everyone wants to see Willem on an All-Star season. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the thing. It's it's the regular seasons of Drag Race. It's so hyper produced that we're not getting to see kind of the messy edges that we got to see on the earlier seasons that we fell in love with. And I want to yes. I want to talk about that too. So what was the very first season of Drag Race that you got to start like tuning in? Oh on? gosh, it was either it was um with Tyra. Which would be two. two. Yeah. yeah. I would say mine um, was two or three. I, I think I got to see some episodes from two. And then the first full season I watched was season three with Raja. And I remember it because of Jealous of Your Boogie for that last mm-hmm. challenge. And I thought it was so good. Yeah. Like, I fell in love with Tyra and Jujubee in that moment. Yeah. Like, I thought it was just so good. I do remember seeing reruns of season one on, like, MTV. They would air it sometimes late at night. <laughs> and uh, it was really interesting seeing, like, the, the shitty, like, camera quality and, like, Ooh, the whole... So- the season one filter that everyone talks about and for a long time that season was the lost season 
I miss a lot of the entertainers from that season, and I, I I think a lot of them since that season have not been as much in the spotlight. Well, we also have to remember too, like even I am like getting to the age point to where drag is like greening really hard on my body, yeah. and like, I've always heard about it. Like in my twenties when I started drag, I was like, oh yeah, this is blah 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 blah, this is sun or whatever, and you'd always hear about people slowing down. Now that I'm thirty four years old, I really get it. Drag is hard on your body. And the youngest queens from that season are now in like their late thirties. Yeah, they yes, exactly. <laughs> mid or, mid or yeah, late thirties. Seriously, yeah. like when you think about it, um, that was obviously like 13, 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's a long time, yeah. Um, to like still be like in the game doing it at the level For that you real. did, and like it just so, yeah. Um, so the one thing, so we want to talk about obviously why we like these other seasons more yeah. and the devaluation of drag race, yeah. So let's start with what's your what was your favorite season, and then why do you think it declined? I think season four was honestly my favorite season. Mm-hmm. I would say season four with Willem, Latrice, and oh my on- god, I loved Will- Willem's season. Yes, that was so good. I mean, you had Chad Michaels, you had the whole Sharon Needles and oh, Fifi thing. You know, it was it was the season that finally got a budget. And even though behind the scenes, now that we hear about what happened behind the scenes from Willem on that mm-hmm. season, it wasn't a good budget for the queens per se, but it was mm-hmm. a good budget for the marketing that season. And I remember the the promo was the, like the space age promo where the queens were like beamed down and they were in like these like kind of like black and like metallic outfits. Oh, I remember that. And and it was like it was a it was a good promo. It was marketed well. And that season really pulled me in. So I I would say like season four was the first season that I was like, oh damn, this is such a good goddamn show. And yeah. immediately after season four, All Stars One followed. And that was kind of a a bomb. It was a bust. But yeah, see, I I feel like season four for me. What about they you? shouldn't have they shouldn't have had the partners. That no, All Stars One yeah. would have been fine without the partners. Without the partners, it would have been great. But they didn't have the budget at the time. It was still kind of like a, a shoestring budget with Wow Presents, and they didn't have the funding like the VH1 funding. Yeah, the VH1 funding. I don't think VH1. The very first season VH1 funded, I want to say, was Shay Coulee season. Season nine. I think Gaga was whoever yeah, Gaga was. It was, was season on the first nine. Season. And nine then, coincidentally, yeah. I've also watched some videos on YouTube. That season is also the season that has the highest following for each of the queens. The highest social media following for an entire season out of any of the seasons. That makes sense because the VH1 poll yeah. and the marketing. And they would and push that. They've also been the queens that have had, like even James Man- Mansfield, the very first queen to go home that season. Mm-hmm. Her YouTube's been so successful. Like she makes money styling wigs on YouTube and talking about gay culture and like drag all, all because she was just on a few episodes of drag race because there was a non-elimination the first episode for that season. Too. Yeah. I think I know that it's from like, I'm going to tell you listeners, I think there's always going to be a non-eliminated episode, the first episode of drag race yeah. in some capacity and from like, here on out. Yeah. Because they, I mean what they did with this season makes sense. Like they really tried to like keep people and whatever. I also loved this season at the fact that they did a lip sync for everybody in the first hand because you don't you get to see that. We and and I'm not going to rehash what we said in our bonus because we said this in our bonus episode. Mm-hmm. It's literally giving the queens a chance to be successful. Yeah. But in All Stars one, I hated. Uh, I hated because I hated the pairs, but I love season four because I love Willem. Mm-hmm. Chad Michaels is like really close to being one of my favorite drag queens of all time. But I think it's slowly shifting to Tamisha because I I like a very put together 
drag queen. Like, I just, I love, that's, and that's who Chad Michaels was. Like, Chad Michaels was very, this is what I do in drag. So was season four your first favorite season two, or was it later on or earlier on? It's probably, Jade Jolie was on that season, right? No, that was season five. Season five. That was the season with Alaska and Alyssa and Coco, and that was a good season, That was a dang good season. I liked uh, Jade Jolie quite a bit, and Uh I loved season five. I I remember... Cause now, cause we always do viewing parties. Me and Donna used to yeah. when we were in Colorado, and like we're like, okay, we're gonna watch Drag Race. And I used, I I've noticed myself getting less excited to watch Drag Race for what Drag Race actually is offering to the kids. Cause it, Drag Race. Now that I've been doing drag for almost nine, gosh, almost since like when you say like th- Drag Race has been on for 13, 14 years, I've been doing drag for almost nine years now. Or, or probably nine years at this and point. We've met and worked with a lot of these girls that are on the show. Yes, you know, we have. That's the thing is like the allure behind it. Back back when we started, yeah, it used to be great to meet these girls because we were these small town queens and all mm-hmm. that. And it was it was really interesting, like meeting certain queens and then them all of a sudden, like Britta. Britta Filter was a queen that we met when we were starting drag in Colorado Springs. Yeah, like, we met her during her first year. Brit, Britta, like. She she wasn't in New York a lot of the time for when she was like starting drag. Yeah, it was it was in Colorado Springs. And we got to know Britta Filter like way like many years ago. And she it was really cool to like see her on the season. I had a better impression of her off the season than I did watching her on the season. But yes, it you know, it's it's weird nowadays, like being where we're at, where you and I have been doing this for now almost nine years and we've worked with a lot of the girls and we kind of get to see them possibly make it on the show and see like these runs that they have on the show and yeah it's just we're in a very different position from where we were when we started watching drag race as fans yes agreed and and watching their evolution has been really interesting and like but it, but i feel for me because i've been doing drag so long the allure is kind of gone, but in a specific aspect that drag race has moved away from what drag actually is, in my it, opinion. It has. So it has. This last viewing party, Sue from Corporate made this entire costume that was so campy and amazing. Mm-hmm. She had a pot on her head, and then there were all these strips coming out of it. And then her breasts were these two huge meatballs. And then from the pot, there was like these red things who looked like she was spaghetti that was dumped on her head. Mm-hmm. And she had this red latex bodysuit. under Not latex. It was just this red bodysuit underneath it. And it looked amazing. It's something that I was like, you know, this isn't still good enough for Drag Race. Mm-hmm. I was like, if you like, if you're comparing the looks of like even Drag Race UK or Drag Race US about like campier things that people are doing, like even Tina Burner, like she would still have elevated this look. And the look that Sue did was phenomenal. Yeah. But Drag Race has moved so far from what a regular drag artist who is at the level from Sue from Corporate would have Mm -hmm. actually done. And that's what makes it less interesting. I want to see, and it's funny, actually, I go back and forth on this. I want to see them at Drag Race level because I know what it looks like. But I also feel like if you can't if you can't make it relatable, relatable mm-hmm. to the everyday drag artist, even if it's the Olympics of drag, it's not as fun. It's it's, it's not. not. So here's the question that I have for you. As a queen who has been on a franchise or on a show that mm-hmm. is separate from drag race, but falls under this drag centric media that has been produced heavily within the last like ten or so years. Mm-hmm. 
do you think there's room for these other shows to pick up the slack where Drag Race is failing? No, because uh, people don't want... I said this online a long time ago, and I can say it here on the podcast, and I'll try to make it sound PC for my Portland listeners. People don't want the other shows to be as successful because all the other shows are more have done everything that they're you're asking of Drag Race. They have cis people on it. They have gender nonconforming people on it. And they have mm-hmm. the inclusion. They have the diversity. They have kings and like all they have everything. Mm-hmm. And those shows are not getting watched more. No. So like the queer community is not watching those shows enough. And it, I finally came to the conclusion. I'm like, oh, you don't want inclusion. Like, you just want the notoriety of Drag Race. Mm. That's what you want. Because, yeah. and people are like, oh no, you can do both. I'm like, you're not doing both though, because you would get all of your friends and family to watch those other shows that have done all the things you've asked. And those other shows have niche markets, sure. But like, yeah. like with Dracula and Camp Wanakiki, like they're niche markets, sure. But like, they can also be interesting and dynamic. And, and like, they just need the funding, but they can't get the funding unless you guys are watching the show. Yeah, yeah. And it, until you, like, get a, a lot of people focused to watch the show, mm-hmm. it's just not going to have the same pull. That yeah, and this yeah. last season of Dracula. The the one that happened during quarantine, honestly, that was so fascinating. It was the, the resurrection yeah. special that they did. I loved that. I thought it was cool. I enjoyed that so much. And it was so well done. It was so well done. And it sucks that they don't have as big of a budget as Drag Race does. I I think that that's also part of the reason why I'm more drawn to these alternative shows like Dragula and even Camp Wanakiki. I think I'm really excited to see a lot of the competitors on these shows because I know that they're going to be coming from the same roots that are more relatable than what Mm -hmm. Drag Race currently pulls from. It's like all these New York queens that have these amazing budgets. Like, who the fuck was Olivia Lux before Drag Race? Like, I didn't know who... She's fucking gorgeous and stunning and amazing and now one of my favorite entertainers that I've ever seen. Yeah, for sure. Yes. But she's been doing drag for, what, two years? And she has the costume budget that I've seen most queens even 10 years in not have. Yeah. Well, and... Girl, yeah, yes, exactly. And in Portland, too, has this, I've seen, so I, we've said on the podcast, I'm an event manager at a local bar, Mm -hmm. and I get to see a lot of drag artists now. And a lot of these girls look just as good as the girls in Drag Race, have the costumes, hairs, and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And they could all be Olivia Lux. And they're just not. Like, they just don't get the opportunity to be as such. Yeah. And it sucks. They don't. What was the season for you that you noticed the devaluation really start to happen. I I feel for me, like season seven was was bad and season eight kind of like brought things in. Who won season eight? Bob. Bob. It was Bob's season. Oh, and it was it was I, the season that had like the fewest amount of girls on it, I think, in recent seasons. I was actually gonna say it was Bob's season. Bob's season. Yeah, because I love Bob the Drag Queen. Mm-hmm. I think Bob the Drag Queen is hilarious. But that's when I noticed that Rue really went for personality that season. Mm, It was the charisma. The charisma. And, like, because Bob was not the best drag artist in the sense of paint. No. um, Or really costume or aesthetic. Not always costume or aesthetic, but Bob could sew. Bob came in having a very specific skill set when it came to sewing. Yes. She knew how to sew specific patterns for herself, and that's all you really need. Yes, that's very (laughs) true. And I think that that made a lot of sense for Mm -hmm. what she did. But it also, 
that's the season that I'd really noticed that it was so unfair. Mm-hmm. Like, it was also when the judges started, when all the judges started to not, like, really vote with the way I thought. Like, I also started, like, moving away from it because, like, the person who did the best wouldn't be the person who won. Yeah. And it happens literally almost every episode. And I think that the producers are like, they're like, oh, no, like, this person was also kind of good. And I'm just like, eh. So on Camp Wanakiki, there's a good point about this. On Camp Wanakiki, for the first season, when people were watching it back, they were mad about who was winning because they didn't show enough about why the judges liked this thing yeah and maybe that's what's happening with drag race but they're not showing me enough about why the winner is who the winner is Mm. and like and that's really uncomfortable for me like i feel like we as fans i the winner shouldn't be necessarily a surprise Mm -hmm. except it should be a surprise if like five girls do good who did they like yeah yeah i don't want it to be a surprise in the sense of like why did what that girl Mm -hmm. are you kidding me oh she's terrible like that that's not fun for me no it's not (laughs) yeah it's not when it's a surprise to the audience i've and there have been decisions like that though that Mm -hmm. the fans have been like what in the fuck was that about Mm -hmm. and i i feel like that happened uh very heavily during season seven and i think it started with like trixie's original elimination against pearl when pearl did nothing during the lip sync and trixie got eliminated and it might have been that season, actually. It was, that, se- <laughs> that season for me, honestly, it was season seven was like when I started losing faith in Drag Race. And I was a hardcore fan, I would say, from like season three on. Like I watched every every episode. And even even then, like starting at around season three, I would go back and I would watch the other seasons religiously. Like I knew season one, like the back of my hand. I, I There was a point when you and I would like book entertainers and I would know the order of that entertainer's season and in which every queen was eliminated and I could recite it back to them. Yes. And, like, I think for me, season seven, seeing how hyper-produced it was and how older campy queens got the the short end of the stick, mm-hmm. any campy queen, honestly, that season got the short end of the stick, and all these younger fashion queens were the ones who kind of uh, succeeded. And there was a mistreatment of Kennedy Davenport, the mistreatment of Max uh, during that season too, where it was like a lot of a lot of those queens really like because of how hyper produced the show became, really missed out. And um, yeah. from then on, you saw a lot of the seasons be hyper produced like that. Yeah, and I did not like that. I like it in All Stars. In um, All Stars, yeah. We and I and we'll get to why we like some of the other seasons, but I mm-hmm. know we're just dogging on Drag Race a little bit. But we need you to get there with us, listeners. So we'll probably do a part two to this, honestly, yeah. because there's a lot of Drag Race to mull through. So <laughs> the, that's true. So All Stars, I actually after season one of All Stars, I've actually always really enjoyed All Stars, and uh, season two was the best. I think All Star season two was so good. They oh, had the queens so... from season five, Tatiana's redemption and return, Roxy Andrews' redemption and return. Oh, so you know, good. like it was Alaska fucking killing it. Katya also detox. Like the top three alone, and Read You Wrote You, iconic. Oh, so that song is iconic. iconic. Oh, and Trinity, this Trinity's All Star season is the one I hate the most. I same the tie. Yeah, well, I hate the tie, but what is that? All Stars three? It was All Stars four. All Stars. I hated All Stars. All Stars three was Trixie. Oh, and, that was fine. That, yeah, that was fine. Unfair in my opinion, but fine. Unfair um, because Shanji. Yeah, because Shanji was great, and, yeah, and Kennedy was great yeah. too. Yeah. Um, 
You know, I, I remember the people from that season because it was such a good season. Aja even had a really good redemption on on season three. Oh, yeah, I actually, really fabulous. I liked All-Stars 3 a lot. The jury, I mean, it was a little fucked up when it came to the very end result because everyone was like, Benda LaCreme should have won, but Benda LaCreme eliminated herself, so... She bend and herself. She did. She did. <laughs> she bend and herself. It's, it's now just become a, a verb <laughs> to bend and creme oneself is to like bow out peacefully. Because, she, yeah. But I, I think, I, I think, yeah, let's go into UK right now. I love this season of UK. I um, haven't, I, I've been very busy, so I haven't yeah. caught the last two episodes. The last really, two, but, but from uh, what you've seen. Yeah, I've been really enjoying it. I love Lawrence Cheney. Okay. Let me even back up before we even get into the girls. The reason I like Drag Race UK's cast mm-hmm. is one because I'm American and I'm I'm a fucking hick and I I the love accents. their accents. The accents. I love the accents. Of course, Chase's accent American. alone. The like the Welsh accent. I love because <laughs> I'm an American and of course I love an accent. Yeah, and so that's cool. And then the other thing too is. The way they do drag in Europe is so much different than the way we do here in the U.S. Yeah. And, like, a lot of them sing live. Like, a lot of them do. A lot of them. Um, and so... Have you paid attention to Tia Coffee's Instagram lately? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. Her looks are stunning. I, I'm, like, she really, like, became the high fashion queen Rue wanted her to become after the season. And she's also mm-hmm. singing live in a lot of, like, her stuff. And it she's she has so a nice good. baritone voice. And it's, like... It's it, it kind of reminds me of like what you and I want to do with drag to where we sing a little bit more during our acts. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's kind of why I like and then I like the fact that it's not overly produced, but there is the one overarching reason which I kind of said about Michelle Vachaz earlier. RuPaul seems to be enjoying themselves more on Drag Race UK. I could see her doing the same thing honestly during Australia. Her husband's from Australia and I I think that we'll probably see her enjoying herself more even during the Australia yeah. franchise. And the costumes? Oh, I, that I kind she's of like wearing the on Drag Race UK. Yeah. Jeez. The outfit the outfit she wears on UK, she shows off more leg than she ever showed off on US. Yeah, and I'm she's like, gorgeous. Why? I also why save it till now to like start sh- showing off a different silhouette? Why was it always floor-length <laughs> gowns? To, I mean, and and it wasn't always. Yeah, kind of like the same really weird like I don't know, like there was um Big hair, long gown. Big hair, long gown. And now she she wore a, I think it was pink because my mind gets them all confused. Mm-hmm. She had the most, Rue had the most beautiful pink cocktail dress on and the most gorgeous hair I have ever mm-hmm. seen. Mm-hmm. I think this is when she was yelling about H&M. I think that's when she was yelling about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Like, I, I also liked the blue number that she had with the blonde hair that had the big old shoulders. The, oh, like, yeah. The aqua kind mm-hmm. of like, yeah. I liked that one that she I, did on UK. I have been so floored by her makeup and her artistry that I just... I can't get enough of it. And like yeah. the other thing too is it doesn't even it's not even like the cast likes each other more. That's not even why. No. It's more that like they just don't take it that's it. They don't take it serious. And it's because I think there's not enough writing on it yet. Maybe that's also what happened at season that five could of Dragon. Be it, honestly. I think that could be it. I think that the high the producers haven't had the chance to like hyper produce the the seasons yet. And or the storylines that are so false. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my word. I just I can't I cannot get enough of some of those stupid storylines. And like it was fun when there was actually real drama like between Alyssa Edwards and Coco um Montrese. Mm-hmm. Like when they had like true battles and whatever and with India Farah and whatever the other girl's name is. <laughs> yeah. 
and even Alexis Mateo and the other girl that she fought with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like it just that stuff is interesting to me. But like the the other produced crap that they have. Remember on the All Star season with Shandela, like the produ- Shandela even wrote online the producers are the one who said go look at that note. Yeah, yeah, they were, <laughs> they were. <laughs> yeah, no, they were like go look at the note that Thorgy left for Trixie. No, they totally did. It was mm-hmm. it was very produced. Like they knew that that moment was set up to like cause some drama, and it caused Trixie so much anxiety that immediately after she's like, let's hash this out right now because I don't want to have this weird energy right here. Like, yeah. which would totally be me. I'd be like, listen, I can't live with this right now. Let's fucking talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, like, with the anxiety that I've experienced recently from, like, different things that I do in Portland, now I actually get understand, like, even how Willem puked on stage yeah. from just, like, different things that were happening at the same exact time. Like, I could not be on, like, I can't, like, I've said this at a very earlier episode of this podcast. When I caught back home from Camp Wanakiki, I actually had massive PTSD, and it lasted about 12, 13 days. I would wake up in the middle of the night. I'd always think I was, like, late for a challenge um, because, you know, the sleep schedule and, like, everything. Yeah. I just really, 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 really understood, like, how you can be really messed up from these reality TV shows that you're doing and always having to be odd and, like, funny and interesting. And they did something that I think is even worse to these girls on the season 13. In the COVID special, they actually showed that they were in their hotel rooms sequestered for, for nine days. Oh, my uh, God. I Yeah, that's yeah, that would have been so hard to nine, not have any interaction nine. with anyone. I mean, and it's even worse for this New Zealand-Australia season because they have to be in quarantine for a, like a specified amount. Like, I think it's two weeks. Yeah. For for because they're very serious and very strict in mm-hmm. the UK and New Zealand about what what it is that they do. Last question before we end this episode. Oh yeah, is there a country or region that you would like to see uh, another franchise in, and what do you think the current US franchise could do to revitalize itself? Would you like to go first? Sure, I would <laughs> actually like to see. I'd like the them to split. Drag Race US into four different regions. Ooh. Because I think that that would help with, like, and you have to be a part of the states mm-hmm. that are all competing at the same time. And then maybe, like, having uh, an all star season, which isn't an all stars, but really like um, the winners from the regionals. Mm-hmm. Like, make it like a pageant system to a degree. Because I thoroughly do think it's unfair that all the girls are always from, like, Chicago, LA, and New York City. I'm, I'm sick and tired of saying it, honestly. Yeah. I think that that would be good. I mm-hmm. think that would be really good seeing like a regional drag race because I mean yeah. the U.S. is huge. Mm-hmm. I would like to probably see like a drag race Korea. I think that would be neat. I mm-hmm. think that we need more Asian representation when it comes to like the drag race franchise and and more winners um, out of that region. But I also I think some things that could be done to shake up the franchise in the U.S. as well as like use bringing a international all stars to where. There's mm. queens not just from English speaking countries. And I know that it, I know that it's super hard with like the logistics to bring in like Thailand, Holland and all that. But I would I would like to see an opportunity for there to be like an international like Olympics of drag. And then also I would like to do like a second. I would I think this is something that a lot of people have talked about. I'd like there to be a second chance this season of the regular Drag Race US franchise. Some of the queens that went home first or second or third in their seasons uh, have another chance to come back and like really prove it. I would love to see Kelly Mantle back on my screen because I think she's so talented and was robbed 
loved so much during her season uh, because she's a funny gal, and I've met her a couple of times, and I'd love to see her do really well on a season of Drag Race. I want to see Layla. Layla, the ma- you know, one of the most amazing makeup artists to ever be on a season of Drag Race. She was mm-hmm. eliminated in a double elimination on the second episode and on season eight. I would like to see James come back, too. James, Yeah, James Mansfield. I would love to see... Dahlia Black, Dahlia, yeah, Dahlia Black, oh, yes. Dahlia Sin, Dahlia Sin, Dahlia Sin, Dahlia Sin. I would love to see her because she was eliminated first on this most recent season of Drag Race. You know, yeah, there's all sorts of queens that I think didn't really get a fair chance on their season that I think could really redeem themselves. So, like, not necessarily an All Star season, but like a redemption season, which I think a lot of fans have talked about. Yes, yes, I would mm-hmm. agree. Yeah, I think that would make the most sense to me. Yeah. So there's things that can be done to revitalize Drag Race. I just think that they need to take the the cue from what fans have talked about in the past and, and make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this brings us to the end of our episode. We'll probably do a part two of this. Yeah. Because um, I feel like we didn't talk a, a lot about why we love like Canada's Drag Race. And yeah. Thailand and like a lot of the other ones. And we won't do that now, listeners. I want to talk more about the international franchise in another episode. I yeah, definitely. I, yeah. I think we really need to. So thanks, listeners, for tuning in to our BS. Yeah, thank you. And we will release our new episodes every Thursday. And when Drag Race gets its shit together and there are more episodes for bonus opportunities, we'll release those on Mondays. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of A Gem of a Secret Podcast. The hosts of A Gem of a Secret Podcast are Donatella My Secrets and Coco Jim Holiday. You may follow Donatella My Secrets at Donatella underscore My Secrets on Instagram. You may follow Coco Jim Holiday at Coco Jim Holiday on Instagram. Original music by Touche Douche and Party Favors. You can follow them respectively at The Touche Douche and at Party Favors Music on Instagram. For more exclusive content, visit www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com. That is a-J-E-M of a secret podcast.com. Be sure to tune in every week on Thursday for a new episode wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, email us at a gem of a secret pod at gmail.com. Please don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Until next time, goodbye.